What's up, world? Welcome back to Authentically Us, the podcast where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that you do in every space that you occupy. My name is Conroy. I'm one of the hosts. And we got Tony here. Tony, say what's up to the people. Yo, what's going on? Join us for the journey. And first of all, before we jump in, give us a like, a review. Share us with 17 people. If you don't know 17 people, find 17 people. Um, Also, shout out to MSW Media. Thank you for having us on your platform, giving us an opportunity. And today you guys want to lean in. We got a special guest. You don't want to miss it. You might want to rewind this one back. Also, stay to the end because we got some fun things. Let's jump in. Let's get it. Guys, welcome back. Hey, we got a special guest. We got Franklin Eights on the podcast today. He is a worship pastor. He's a creative. He's our bro. Franklin, welcome to the podcast. What up, family? How y'all feeling today? We good. We good. We're excited to have you on. This is a long-awaited podcast people have been asking the masses really i'm done (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're we're excited about this guys we were talking about our chicago trip for those of you who've been following us and franklin actually came to chicago with us so he experienced all the chicago-ness it was a really cool trip um franklin can you talk a little bit about your experience in chicago because we've been talking about on our podcast but Talk about your experience. Yeah, man. I mean, first and foremost, I was honored to be invited. It was super dope. It was fun. Um, first and foremost, um, I had so much fun on the trip. I will say that I had so much fun in spite of losing my voice. Y'all remember that when I? Oh, that's right. <laughs> I had <laughs> literally, I think it was like I got off the plane and realized my voice was gone. And um but despite that, we had super so much fun. I mean, we ate a lot. That was great. We got a chance to bean. Um, and then we ate again. And then we got to go to this place and that place, Starbucks Reserve. Um, and then we ate again. I mean, I had so much eating and hanging out with y'all. Uh, and even just the the crazy moments of just taking the bus to places, man, exploring the city. It was, it was dope. And the game, man. Yeah, that was a fun time. Yeah, we had a couple of people from the trip um, that was on the podcast, so it, it was it was really cool. But we want to jump in. Franklin, uh, where'd you grow up? What was your upbringing like? Yeah, man. Um, I'll start with saying this. I grew up in the most amazing city in the entire world, and I'm not biased just because I live here, but in sunny San Diego, California. Um, yeah, I mean, I lived here much of my life. I was born in Oceanside. Um, both of my parents were both Marines and, um, I am the oldest of 10 amazing, beautiful brothers and sisters, and they all look better than me. Um, I love them so much. Amazing. Um, my upbringing was pretty cool. I mean, obviously we had times of, of turmoil. I think one of the hardest things that I had to deal with in my childhood um was just dealing with my mom and my dad's divorce um that was that was pretty tough times um however i do remember many many good moments um hanging out with friends um being able to play basketball even though i was horrible at it y'all i was not the best uh, <laughs> being able to play basketball was still fun even though it wasn't my first choice however though uh, i still had a great time with that 
um, as well. Um, yeah, dealt with just just many different things. Obviously, we'll get deeper. We'll get deeper into it. Um, but of course, um, yeah. I mean, what, where do I start with that? I mean, there's so much to say. I don't know if we have the time for it though. We'll be here all year trying to talk about my life, but <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, um, you being a worship uh worship leader, talk to us about what. What type of influence music has had in your life? Yeah, man. I mean, let's just start here. I, I do believe that music is so beautiful. The impact of music. Um, as you can see, you turn the right song on, it makes people dance. You turn the wrong, the right song on, people start to cry. Um, I think for me, as I grew up, um, I did not look at music as spiritually at first. I mean... At first, you know, I started looking at music as a source of joy. Um, like I was telling you guys a little bit before was that we dealt with just hard times when I dealt with my mom and my dad's um, divorce growing up. Um, I was also a kid that would be anxious, um, very, very anxious. I was a goofy kid. When I tell you all this, I was cracking jokes, the class clown, all of that good stuff. But at the same time, deep down inside, I would be dealing with my own internal struggles and my internal turmoil. And as a result of that, I turned to music. Music was one of the things that I got a chance to listen to um, and just have joy. And I think it was interesting because I, I remember moments where me and my sister, <laughs> we would literally have lyrics ready to go. We was ready for car karaoke, y'all. The song would turn on. I'm telling y'all, the song would turn on. We have this little uh, in, like envelope or like folder full of like lyrics, but you know we used to print them things out, and uh, we would find a song and we just sing it out loud. So it would become a source of joy for me, um, but it also would become a source of you know uh, you know a place where I would cope. You know, it was a way to be distracted from what I was going through. It was a way to be distracted from the pain, all of the different situations, some of the stuff that you went through in school, the stresses. Um, but of course, later on in life, God would use it to do amazing things in me. I mean, I would find music as a source of inspiration now. And now I have the ability um, to listen to music and being drawn closer to Jesus Christ. I think that was amazing. Um, at first, it would be a, a space of distraction. Um, I, I would rely on it to kind of get me through hard times to listening to the messages of the music and getting closer to Jesus Christ, you know? So that was pretty cool too. Um, one last thing, I, one of the things that music, God would use music for in my life would be, it would be a place of healing. Kind of cool as well. I mean, I think about, um, think about the messages in music. You know, uh, one of my favorite songs right now is Firm Foundation. Um, I love that song. I can't, I love that song a lot. But it reminds me that no matter how rocky life looks, no matter how crazy things are, as long as we're standing on Jesus, we are standing on a firm foundation. And it would be from that place that I would have healing. I would have that space of healing, knowing that, man, I'm safe and secure in my father's hands. So... Just a little bit about the influence of music. I'm, there's there's a lot more to say to there, but I mean, yeah, huge impact. You know, you mentioned a lot about 
the feelings that that music gives you and how you use much of it as like a cope or an escape. And I, I use sports as that. Um, but I'm, mm. I've always liked music. Um, so I guess my, my question is like, as you were going through maybe some of the, those dark times, is there like a song that you can vividly remember that like when things were chaotic, you turn that song on and it would maybe give you a sense of peace? Because like I hear it now, right? I hear the firm foundation and I hear that now. But like, is there a song that you're like, I am like when you hear that song, you're like, wow, that takes me back. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a loaded question. That is really a loaded question. You know, I don't really remember a lot of like my that one song in my childhood. Um, I mean, there was multiple songs that okay, probably some songs that I probably should name. Glory to God, um, <laughs> that would just kind of distract me. But I will say that one song in particular. I have this moment where I remember um, uh, the song was called. I forget the name. I think the name was Jesus. I adore you. Okay, it's it was like this. It was back when you're kind of when I was discovering like Christian hip hop, Christian R&B. Um, and I listened to this song and I don't know what it was. I think I was walking. That's what it was. I was walking home and something within me wanted to sprint. I don't know what it was. Now, mind you, if you see me, we're not trying to do cardio. OK, <laughs> now, glory to God. I mean, we love we love the weights. We love to lift the weights, okay. And and, and you know, mind you, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put some more cardio in my workouts. But um, that day, I just sprinted home. I had so much joy in that moment that I just felt like sprinting, and I couldn't help but rejoice. It was just one of those things, and it was like, again, it was like it's, it was something in the music, and obviously, it was God using the song to encourage me. Um, but yeah, that that's one song that just pops into my head right now. Mm. So, so talk to us about the the moment you went from song just being like a comfort for you to viewing uh, music as worshipful, but then you're calling to uh, be a worship leader. Man, that's such a good a good question um, and kind of like a that, that'll open up many doors. So I think I would probably say that, hmm, where do I start here? I will start with saying this. I think it began when I realized that I needed to be close to Jesus. It would be in this, in this, in this moment when I first gave my life to the Lord, um, where I would spend time before him and I would just, you know, sing, read the word, dance before the Lord. And, and, and I, I'm interested to see how I look, because, again, I'm, I'm probably <laughs> at the time, I probably wasn't too agile, if you know what I mean. However, though, um, <laughs> I, I remember <clears throat> realizing that worship is more than a song. Worship is more than just the instruments, but worship now becomes a, a lifestyle because I've given my life to Jesus. And because I choose to walk in his, in his ways, I must find a way to take it from the music and make this into a lifestyle. And I think I remember when, um, it's funny. I used to like, 
Like I would be the one to kind of help bring music to the parties. I remember that day when I was sending, when I realized that I have to resurrender my life to the Lord. I had done my own thing for a little bit. I had got caught up in the parties. And I remember pulling up to the trash can and throwing away my music that I had. Um, and it was my sign of saying, you know what? I am going to listen to something that's going to push me closer to Jesus at the time. Um, fast forward into that, I would, I would get serious about Jesus. And then from there, like, there's like a whole process in me becoming a worship leader. Like, again, I never saw myself even being in that. I never even, um, to be honest, I didn't even really want ministry. I mean, I, mm. I found peace and hope when I, when I gave my life to the Lord, when Jesus revealed his, revealed the gospel to me. Um, but I started going to church just because I knew I needed him, mm. you know, um, later on, I would be, you know, I would find myself. It's funny. I stumbled into ministry and it's like kind of an interesting process moving from running to stumbling into ministry and then becoming like, I guess, like walking in that purpose of worship leading as well as other creative, creative stuff. So I think I answered some, most of that question. Tell me, you know, I'm, I'm you no, know, that, I'm was, kind of... that was good. And what's interesting that, um, I didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I mean, we talked a lot about worship leading. We both lead here in San Diego and it's interesting to hear the way you stumbled upon it. Cause I feel like that's how you find people to join your team is mm. you they'll stumble. You'll hear something, you'll hear them sing or something. And then next thing you know, they're stumbling and they're joining your team. And it's interesting that you said that. Cause I, I feel like that's how you, recruit sometimes right and I, same like i do i i recruit the same way i learn like i let mm. people kind of figure it out as we go and i don't know we probably both could be doing it wrong but it works for <laughs> us and um it's what we do but i love that you said your journey to becoming a worship pastor because i feel like it wasn't it wasn't something that you wanted to do you know, mm -hmm. and you talk talk a lot about that and you, you how you were like, I, you didn't really want to lead. You didn't really want to to do those things. And God was like, but you're called. And I think sometimes he calls the unqualified to do like enormous things. And it's awesome to hear your story about how you felt unqualified. Right. But the way you lead and I, I hope people can can see it um, someday. Can you can let people know what, what church you're currently leading at today as we are in. 2023. Yeah, I'm currently at New Visions Church. Uh, um, and that it's been an awesome experience. I love my church. I love those people. I love my people, my family. Um, I love the body of Christ. But uh, of course, I have a special heart for um, the place that I'm at right now, just full of authenticity, as well as um, uh, just the coolness of the people, man. And if I could add a caveat to that, that the, the stumbling into, I, the, is it cool if I share? I want to share like yeah. how I started with work, like worship. It was kind of weird. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a friend of mine who was having an event. And mind you, he had been doing ministry for some time. And he says to me, you're going to lead worship at my event. I said, and I'm not. I've never led worship ever. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, mind you, I had been making songs about food. Okay, now, you know, just about snacks and Maybe it was my way of exploring creativity, but 
due to fear, I added humor into it. So I wasn't being taken seriously. That may be something. But I would find myself leading worship for the first time at my friend's event, which would later on uh, push me into worship ministry from there. And it's just like, a again, it was like that thing. I wasn't necessarily inquiring. I wasn't coming to be there and just to come and lead. But even where I'm at now, I got a call out the blue. It was a random call. And now we're here today. You know, it's history. I did want to ask you, you mentioned some things um, about like your family and, and stuff. Do you think what drew you to God? I know you mentioned be, you, you started going to church because you knew you needed him. But it was also what did it have anything to do with like how you grew up? It was like, I saw how I grew up and this is what I experienced. Mm-hmm. And now I know I need, I need Jesus. Cause that, that was kind of like my experience in terms of like, my family was wild and I'm going <laughs> to choose this other path that I don't know, but I know it potentially could be better than what I grew up with. Yeah. Like what was your, like, when you think about it, what was your driving force to like start going to church? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I probably, I, I will say, looking back at it, I see the Lord's hand moving in on all of this. Um, he was always trying to push me towards him, but I could not see it. Um, I will say that uh, I've always had an awareness of God. I've always believed that he existed, but I did not have a relationship. So I always thought that um, that that my life was devoted to making God happy so I would not go to hell. That was like my thing. Mm. I would do the most random things. Like I would... I would be eating cereal. Get this. I'll be eating cereal with my fingers crossed, holding my spoon, muttering, I love you, Jesus and God. I love you, Jesus and God. I love you and Jesus and God. As though that this was going to basically make me closer to him and make him happy so that I would not go to hell. So I was like, interesting, right? Um, fast forward, you know, kind of dealing with the brokenness of my family. And by the way, of course, we know that... Um, you know, I, I know that my parents are the best that they can. Like they, I will say this, food was on the table. We ate, you know? And so of course we didn't have the best upbringing, but um, we were so fortunate, you know? And I, and I would say there was a moment where um, here was, here was the moment my, okay. So I'm a back up just a little bit. My dad really wanted me to play basketball, but again, I was horrible. Okay. Now, uh, with that being said, I would play basketball and I would have fun doing it, but it wasn't, I wasn't that good at it, nor was my heart really into it. Um, Sundays in, uh, in particular, I remember being waking up to either A, we would go to basketball practice. Um, now, who does basketball practices on Sunday? Um, we did. Um, or I would be waking up to run three miles. So I would literally run three miles with my father. Um, which of course, <laughs> again, cardio, bless God. Um, but one day the, 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 the girl that was, that he was with at the time, um, she was going to church. Um, and, and, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna take this as an opportunity to run and go to church because we didn't go to church growing up. So the opportunity presented itself to go to church and I would come to church and, as I sat there, it was this church in Poway. And I remember I was clapping my hands, 
this was a, a hymn church. Most they didn't have instruments that from what I can remember. Um, and afterwards I would sit there and there was a barbecue. And I asked the pastor this random question. I don't even know where I would have gotten this from, but I asked the question, what is the gospel? Like, <laughs> what is that? And that day he explained to me the gospel and I believed it. Um, not only was this the moment where I realized that this is how you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, but I had so much joy that when I left the church, we still had to run them three miles and I ran three miles with joy. And so I, I would say that in all of the turmoil and all of the different things, I just knew that I had a need for God. Um, and he would push me, but his hand would lead me. And he would, like, he would lead me down this road where I would ultimately have this experience with this pastor at this church randomly on a Sunday morning, who knew? And um, the rest is history. Wow. So you share with us a lot about your love for the church and the body of Christ. Um, I, mm -hmm. I wonder what breaks your heart about the church? Mm, mm, mm. man oh man and this is a tough question because um there is no organism that is perfect um i just want to state that obvious obviously um we can look in our society and see many different organizations that do the best that they can um but they're not perfect they make mistakes every single day and um, it is it is ultimately um, a thing that we all have to kind of wrestle with humanity and their imperfection as they pursue a perfect God. Um, but when it comes to the church in particular, I want to be careful not to generalize it because not it's not everybody. But I will say from what I have seen, I, I, I will say that one thing that breaks my heart is many people have a loss of mission. And what I mean by that is many people come to service just to consume. We come and we come to get a good word. We listen to some good music and then we go home. Um, we don't express the gospel during the week and we go back into this motion. And I feel like for many people, many people in the, especially, I'm going to say especially, but I'll say many people in the body of Christ are looking for purpose. I'm wondering what would happen if those same people would begin to look at the body of Christ and the church as an opportunity to be empowered, that we have a mission to bring the gospel, you know? And it's not just on the pastors. You know, it's not just on the leadership. It is for all of us to come together as one body to do some work together, which is to bring the gospel to the lost. I would also say, man, I, I mean, there's th different things that we can talk through. I will say that um, that's with that same sense, I feel like many people in the church have lost a sense of community. Um, in other words, what happens is they just come to church again, to consume, and they really don't do life together. Like, they don't do life. They come, they come, they eat, and they leave, and they go back to their same silo. But what would happen if we looked at the body of Christ as, this is my literal brother and my sister, this is my brother and sister. When they hurt, I hurt. When they have joy, I have joy. 
what would happen if we intimately did life together and not saw people as um as i guess step steps to whatever they're trying to get to in life but they saw people without motive and they saw people worthy of love and they saw people just like hey whether or not you can add anything to my life i want to add to your life you know um yeah and i would say last but not least um and of course we can talk many through i, I would probably say one another thing that kind of breaks my heart um, I feel like many, I feel like many of us struggle with the subject of restoration and forgiveness. Mm. And I mean, you can see this evident in like our some of our toxic YouTube culture in which you have a leader or you'll have somebody that makes a mistake. And the next thing that we do is we come out with an entire YouTube series, right? That <laughs> that downs them that speaks against them and offers no place for restoration. Um, and I just kind of wonder what would happen if we fostered a community of love and restoration. Um, I mean, the Bible talks about how that will, that the, that the world will know that we're Christians by how we love each other. Mm. And so we're kind of, and I'm kind of wondering if, if maybe the reason why they can't tell is because law love has been law. It's a lost art in our society, but it's, but in the in many of our churches, that is also missing as well. So, I mean, but I will say this: we got some good things still happening in the church. I mean, we still have the most powerful message in the world, the gospel. It is still a place where people can find hope. It is still a place where people can find mission and purpose, and it's a good place to be blessed. I mean, to be honest, many of the things and the blessings that I would see. God used people that went to my church or I was connected to at a Bible study. And like in, in our humanity, we make mistakes, but I do praise God that, yo, we serve a God that covers our mistakes. So, yeah. You know, one thing that Tony and I have talked a lot about um, is community. Him and I have mm. some really close friends mm -hmm. um, back home. And obviously we're all kind of spread out now, but we do have that community and every time we get together, it's like really felt how, and I, I, I 100% agree with you that people are looking for a community in your opinion. What mm -hmm. is a practical way? The church, um, big C and little C like big C as in all of the church, but also little C like locally can practically build community and make people feel like they belong. Mm, that's good. Um, I would say this. I would probably say that we would probably have to begin with creating a culture of intentionality. And what I mean by that is that much of our life, we are building something. You know, we have our careers. We have, you know, people have kids. People got work. They got to go to school. There's a lot of things that people are doing. Um, and what happens is we intentionally put a lot of energy into those things that we believe is going to reap some type of benefit in the future, quote unquote, whatever. Right. Um, the hard part about that is that if a person is in. So, OK, maybe I'll say this. Intentionality will breed habits. And when a habit is started, you'll continue to do that. So what needs what, what needs to happen in many of our churches and many of our big C and little C is that many of us need to create habits of intentionality. 
that what that may look like is intentionally putting things on the calendar that says check in with so and so see how they're doing you know opening up spaces where people can be authentic um and transparent right um i think a lot will go a lot will happen once a person is intentional and i think that with the body of christ big c and little c many people are waiting for somebody else to do that for them you know um but it's just it's i'm reminded in my i'm reminded that we all have a part to play in this so it's not just again for the pastors it's not for the small group leaders just to make a space but i have the ability me myself and i i like that me myself and i to reach out and call i that's why i love technology we can feel so close and be so far um, on the map, but yet still be connected, you know? And so that's why I love technology. I can call somebody, text somebody, glory to God with the iPhone. We can, we can FaceTime somebody. If you have an Android, you know, you're going to have to, you know, use Zoom or some other app. Uh, I think we can. <laughs> First of all, before, be, before you keep going on, I need to pause right here because he was <laughs> Android for life or the way life. he's talking it, it i just never thought i would hear this language before it, it's it's amazing you've been tony we've been praying for deliverance for for oh. franklin there it was it's slowly but surely it's coming about slowly early in that how he worked i've now became so i heard somebody say you became apostolic in that there that it is, is. Apple was that you that said that apostolic? Somebody said that. Yes, apostolic. Yeah. <laughs> what was your? Do you remember when that green bubble went blue? Like, yeah. Oh, everybody was like, "Wait, <laughs> it's blue!" Right. Literally, people the, responded. There's, to my there's almost like this sense of like, wait. You got blue bubbles now. All right, bet. Like, yeah, they they were calling me. Does, did Franklin get a? Did Franklin get an iPhone? I don't know. It, it's blue, so I guess so. Oh man, yes. <laughs> now I'm Apple Life, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know what, what you know. We're gonna go from there, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I love that answer that you said about um intentionality, and I and I think. In my opinion, I would say the church has gone so, so big. Like it has gone from like, you know, back in the day, it was just house churches. Let's get the Bible together and read and so intimate, which is beautiful. And I also love the big production too. I love both. <laughs> but I think the church has changed from uh, like, it's gone so big that it's hard to be attentional. But what I think where what you said is it's, it's not just the pastors. It's not just the group leaders. It's a culture mm -hmm. yeah, and, and creating that culture of intentionality. Like, mm -hmm. Hey, like that person you actually turned to your neighbor and said hi to let's be intentional and follow up with them and be like, Hey, we said hi to each other last, last Sunday. And you mentioned you have kids. Like, how's the kid? Like this little things like that. And I love, I love that. Cause as a worship leader and a director and a leader in a church, it is overwhelming for leaders to be like, I have to be intentional with my team, um, another team, and then the congregation. Mm -hmm. And some people are graced for that, but not everyone is graced for that. 
<laughs> right. Well, if I can add, I think it also like this gotta be intentionality and like how we're preaching and what we're singing. Mm. Because if we're preaching an individualistic message, mm. it also creates this narrative that it's all about me. Mm. Um, and so how can we not just go beyond Sunday, but make Sunday feel like we're, we're doing church together. We're not mm. just individuals sitting together, but we're in this in seeking Jesus side by side. Mm. That's really, really good. And I agree. I think I think much of society unfortunately is individualistic. Um and you know, but I think this is a unique opportunity to remember that we are family in a sense, right? We are one body. Um there's opportunity to be unified. Um, and I think m more than ever, I feel like people are looking for a family and looking for unification and looking for a place where instead of it just being about that one person, it is about us making it to this destination together. So I think you said something really good right there. Yeah. Man, I love this. It's like I feel like we're in Chicago again. Y'all, when we were in Chicago, we were literally <laughs> having these conversations in the Airbnb walking we did we did a lot of walking mm. we did a lot of, we did a lot of walking <laughs> um on the train like this is so cool um i did want to i did want to kind of pivot and um ask a little bit about um some therapy questions and mental health like tony and i are big proponents of jesus plus mental health and mm. i think it's really cool and something to point out that we are three black men who are all um putting mental health at as a priority. Um, so I did want to, I did want to talk about like your experience, uh, Franklin, as um, a black man who is seeing a life coach or a licensed therapist and how has that like impacted your life? Yeah, man. I mean, first and foremost, I never thought that I would ever have that, you know? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, obviously it's like, <laughs> you kind of just go through life dealing with things. And then you realize, oh man, maybe I should talk through some of this stuff with somebody. Um, when the opportunity presented my, presented myself, presented itself rather, um, I, it's funny. It happened so quick. Like literally the opportunity was there. I had a message that there was somebody that wanted to work with me. And then I think the next thing you know, I'm already starting. We're already having phone calls. We're, you know, I was, for me in particular, it was such a therapeutic thing. Um, I felt like the first call, and I remember this, I, I had visited my sister's house and um, I literally was like, oh man, I have to take this call. And so I walked across the street to take the call and not even knowing this person for a while, I literally just told them everything. I didn't realize how much of an open book I was. Um, you know, the things that, you know, and he was asking me certain questions, but I was just it, like, it just, it was just therapeutic to just talk. Like, mm -hmm. um, I, I think much of my life I'm really sitting with people and listening to them talk and listening to their issues and listening to their problems. And so, which of course 
I wouldn't trade that for the world. I love it. I would, you know, to be able to be with people in the midst of their darkness and their and their situations and their and the, and the hard times is a beautiful opportunity to be used by God. But man, the moment I got a chance to talk, I was like, yo. And it's, it was like a weight that was lifted off while it was heavy at the same time, because now I'm being challenged to talk about what I've been going through, which was kind of an interesting space because, because I didn't talk about it a lot. It's almost like I never gave my opportunity to process. I never gave my opportunities. Things would happen to me. And I would literally just go with the motions and oh, I'm fine. I'll be okay. And move on to the next, not knowing that I needed to process these things and have these conversations because I needed to literally, you know, get beyond it. Um, I will say that it was a safe place, you know, and it was definitely a safe place knowing that, you know, the person that you're talking to, or at least us are this trusting rather, um, because of course people make mistakes, but being able to trust that this person isn't going to take my stuff and run all over the world with it and create a, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> people have that fear, right? Uh, what was you going to say? I would say create a whole YouTube channel okay. about, <laughs> about it. Oh, yes, man. I, I, that's a whole nother conversation. That is so, that is so sad. Yeah. Um, but anyways, going back to this, I, I will say that one of the things that I've learned in, you know, and and, and in having this relationship, uh, and I believe that he was a life coach who was also a licensed therapist, right, um, was that he gave me permission to feel. You know, he gave me permission to be okay with saying, I am angry. Or I am upset that this thing happened. Um, and that it's, of course, he didn't encourage me to stay there. His goal was for me to move beyond it. But the problem is, is that I couldn't move beyond it unless I confronted it. And that a lot, that I had to basically endure the emotions by, you know, thinking about it, you know, oh, yeah. And then, you know, these are just some of the blessings that came from it. But yeah, man, Jesus plus therapy that's a beautiful combination right there. I did want to, I wanted to ask uh, Tony as well as you're, you are, you know, going through therapy and processing that as well. Um, how has it impacted you? And so much so that you are now studying it to be a, a therapist as well. Yeah. So um, I've, my first exposure with therapy was, Probably eight years ago, it was a group therapy session, and we did narrative therapy around a particular traumatic event. Um, so I wrote this story all around um, an encounter with my father, um, and um, as I'm writing this story out, I'm realizing how angry I still was. Um, and this happened to me back in fifth grade. Um, and so when I brought it to this group therapy session and shared it and unpacked it with um, 
my group, um, I realized there was so much that I was holding on to in my body, um, not just my feelings, but, you know, tightness in my chest anytime I would bring this event up, clenched fists, sweaty palms. Um, and so being able to really unpack that um, was huge. Uh, and thankfully, my facilitator was a older black man. Um, and so by the end of me sharing my story, I look over and he's weeping with me over my story. Um, and that was probably the most healing encounter I've ever had was to have a black man weeping over my story of my father, who, if I would ever say, hey, I'm really sad because you're not, you're not what being what I need right now. It would be met with, oh, you need a man up, you're grown, like, but I didn't get any of that from my facilitator. I just mm. got so much empathy, um, and I honestly didn't know what to do with it because I was like, wait, how, how are you a black man and showing me tears unashamedly? Mm. So it was it was definitely some like um confusion in that. Mm. And I mean what I hear from both you guys is how therapeutic it is to be able to share. One thing I heard from you, uh Franklin, you said safe. And I think as leaders, it's it's so much easier to to be the one people share to. So I can sit because I know I know that I can create a safe space and frankly, probably the same Tony, probably the same. Like we know that we can create a safe space for the other individual, but it's hard for us to trust that whoever we're sharing with is going to create a safe space for us. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of been my experience as well as, as uh, being in therapy. I, my first encounter was in college. I was going through a lot. I was going through a relationship. I was an athlete. I was getting ready to graduate. Mm. My, I was dealing with emotions from like childhood. I, I was dealing with a lot. And then I just, I just broke. I broke and like was acting out of character and my coaches suggested it and I hated it. Like that's one thing, like Franklin said, it's not something I ever thought I wanted or needed to do. I was like, nah, I'm, I mean, that's, a, that's how we grow up. Right. Black people just grow up with like, you don't need therapy. You have Jesus, which is true. But Jesus plus therapy is like a breakthrough. And that was my first encounter. And it was so freeing to share, to share stuff, to, to be like, this is how I feel. And for somebody just to like not fight back or not invalidate my feelings, it was like mind blowing. And even now as I'm you know, back in therapy, just processing things. It's such a freeing place to be able to share. Like you said, like you said, Franklin, to like share and not be in our heads about it. Mm -hmm. um, Franklin and I, we go to the same gym, y'all. We do a lot of things together. But we go to the same gym and 
Like there was one day Franklin was just like talk, telling, talking to me about something and it, you could, I could see his brain like spinning. Like he had all these thoughts in his head and I was just <laughs> like, have you thought about like seeing a therapist, seeing somebody? He was like, yeah, I, you know, I think so. And then like it happened so fast and like see the joy that in the, it's more like to see the freedom you have and like release you have now because you're talking to somebody and being able to share in a safe place is like a really cool place to see where you're at. So kudos to you, Franklin, for se stepping out and doing it. Cause like, I know it wasn't easy. Man, I tell you, and it wasn't, uh, and it wasn't, but I, again, I am grateful for the opportunity because man, when I tell you this, I'll say this, it is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus doesn't need anything, right? I'm just gonna say it like that. He doesn't need anything. He can, he can heal. He still heals in 2023. He does these things. Um, ever so often, though, he chooses to use other people, and he'll use therapists. And so, at the end of the day, I will say, man, <laughs> just like you, like you saw the freedom, I felt the freedom. Mm. It was the, I wasn't even aware of the internal dialogue that I was having. Like you can be so stuck in a way of doing life that you're not even aware of the internal forces that are keeping you from your next step. And man, conversations with just conversation in general, I realized it gave me the language to identify, ah, that's the issue. I can go beyond this. And then I can take all of this once I have this language and I can present this to Jesus. Like, Jesus, you have revealed this to me through my therapist. Help me. And he will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, you and you and you and Tony both talked about it. Like Tony was talking about how he was how it was physically impacting his body, like clenched fence clenched fist palms sweaty like and you're talking about the internal dialogue when you were talking you didn't know how much you had that day i could see it like i vividly remember that day where we were in the gym like watching your brain turn and i'm like oh my goodness like i'm i've seen you like that but not like that <laughs> and <laughs> it, it's so cool to see to see where you're at now i did want to ask like since and this could be a question for all for all of us to answer but how important do you guys think it is for people of color to have somebody to talk to, whether it is a therapist, whether it is a life coach? Like, how important do you think that is for us? Oh, man. So important. So important, man. And I, and I, and I'm, I for sure am not a professional in by any means, but I, I know for me, myself as a black man, I've dealt with many different traumas and many different things. And, um, but of course being a black man, um, and we'll even just take this whole concept of like how many people may perceive us as threatening, may perceive us as, you know, doing wrong. Like I remember one time, I'll never forget it. I remember one time I was sitting, I literally was, I was hanging out with my friend. And I, I remember seeing this police car keep driving by, keep driving by. And I remember seeing this police car multiple times. 
And I and we're sitting in his car, and I said, you know what? Why don't I just get out the car and walk upstairs to my house? And the moment we started walking upstairs, the police car literally in the middle of the street shines the lights out and tells us to come down and we're seated on the curve. And we might have fit some type of description. I don't know. We're sitting on the curve. He ends up letting us go. But just that experience alone, I probably needed to talk to somebody about that. You know, having, you know, when you go through certain situations where um, people make, unfortunately, ignorant comments, right? And I mean, we will, we, we can talk all day about certain things when it comes to racism in society and um, whether it's flagrant, whether it's a hidden, whatever it is, um, we deal with the effects of it. And I think because we as a people have endured much as well as been pushed to just keep it moving, um, there is much to talk about and there's much to process. And I, I thoroughly am a firm believer in this. I believe that if I cannot process a thing, then I can't overcome that thing. And that thing that I have not overcame, I will end up passing that on to the next generation. And so I think for a healthier people, we need it. Mm. So well put. Mm. What, about, yeah. what about you, Tony? What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And to add to that, I think it's important for us to see a therapist um solely because um we need someone to call what we've been through as trauma um because often black people will never say i i have trauma uh there's too much of a stigma with that but mm. you know like just being black in America, like you've you've been through trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. Your body knows trauma, and in order for your body to release it, it's it's got to be talked about. And mm-hmm. so, having the freedom of someone being able to say, uh, "No, what you experience isn't." isn't okay and it's traumatic and being honest is it's also freeing because it gives you language Mm. for what you know what's going on you're not just crazy you're not just always playing the race card no you have trauma and so your body is responding to, to these events because you don't feel safe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I would say this. For me, therapy has been the hardest thing to, to do, but also the most freeing thing because mm. as a man, as a black man, having language to describe how I'm feeling, foreign. Hold other language. It's like... How do you feel? Great. Good. Like that's that's like how are you doing today? Good. Like that's that's the extent. But we do feel and to have language to describe how we feel is work to get to that word, to get to that feeling, but like you said, once you can identify it, 
you can call it out and you can work through it. It on the other side, we're so much better. And I and I love that that I feel like all three of us have pretty much said that same thing just in a different way. And it sucks. It sucks having to go through it, having to talk through certain things that typically we would just go through because mm-hmm. we have experienced trauma and we just keep it pushing. But mm-hmm. the more we can you know, identify those things and work through them. We can keep it pushing, but at a much healthier pace mm-hmm. and at a, and be much healthier on the other side. So I hope anybody who's listening to this will be motivated, especially if you're um, a black man or a person of color to like step out, talk to somebody because it's needed and you will be much better as you can see from all three of us black men. But Franklin, we really want to finish with one last question before we move on to our rapid fire. Um, what does it mean for you to be authentically you? Man, oh man. I would say this. I would say, if I could sum it up in one word, uniqueness. I feel like being authentically me means to express my uniqueness in every season and in every space. Uh, what I mean by that is that even if I have to wear a suit, I'm going to come in that suit uniquely. You know, I'm going to walk in that suit the way I'm going to walk in that suit. Internally, my personality, how I am. I think it's all about expressing the unique intricacies that I that God has given me as a person, perspective-wise, look-wise, all of who I am. Um, and the biggest thing that I'm realizing is that I'm going to bring, my goal is to bring joy wherever I go. And so that's a unique thing that I love to bring. So whether or not, you know, if we we walking in here and we're going to walk into this funeral and it's going to be sad, there's got to be some type of joke I'm going to have to pull out somehow, you know, we have to. <laughs> so anywho, yeah, that I would say that would be how I would be uh, authentic in my space. Yes, very true. You you know how to be the life of the party. Um, Anyway. Now we're about to transition to the segment of all segments, rapid fire. Bing, 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 bing. Y'all did not prepare me for this. I don't even know what's about to happen right now. That's that's exactly. why it's called rapid fire. Exactly. <laughs> so we're gonna ask you three questions. Don't pass go. Don't collect two hundred dollars. Don't stop and pray. Don't sing a song. Uh, first thing that comes to mind, and. We're going to have fun with it. Okay. So question number one. Would you rather face Goliath with a stone and a slingshot or wander in the desert for 40 years? Oh, I'm definitely coming with this stone and the slingshot to Goliath. 40 years is a long time to be wandering. (laughs) I'm going to be thirsty. (laughs) It's a no for me. (laughs) Oh man. What is one album or song that you would say sums up your last year? Oh man. Gyra. Gyra mm. uh Upper City. Yes. That's a a good one. Yeah. Mm. They can't I, that song right there, you can't play it out to me. The amount of times we've sang that song. You know what's interesting? That's one of the songs that I love to hear, but I don't like to sing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. 
I love to hear it, but it's not like when I like to lead. I don't know. It's yeah. interesting. I like to be laid out to that song. Yeah. For sure. I want to receive and, it. Especially that bridge part. If he dresses the lily. That right there, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm on the mm-hmm. floor. <laughs> Last question is, what is one superpower you wish you had? Oh. Flying. Yep. Absolutely flying. But you don't like cardio. Oh, if you flew, you never had to do cardio. Exactly. I see. I got you. I'm with you. (laughs) Cheating the system. Right, right. Well, Franklin, this has been amazing. I'm so honored and glad that you accepted our invitation. Um, Where can people find you? What do you have going next? Um, okay, so yes, you can find me on my social media. Find me on IG, uh, Instagram at Franklin Eight. That's F-R-A-N-K-L-I-N-A-Y-T as in Thomas, E as in Eric, S as in Sam. You can find me there. Um, I'm gonna start posting more somehow. Okay. So just so you know. <laughs> but you can find me there, hit me up, and of course, let's connect. And TikTok. Oh, yeah. And my TikTok. <laughs> I don't remember that off the top of my head, but I think it's the same. It, it should be the same. First name, last name, A is an Apple, Y-T-E-S. Awesome. Well, Franklin, this has been an amazing interview. Thank you again for hopping on. Until next time, be authentic in everything that you do. Peace. 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 another one uh bro it's it's so good uh franklin is so dope and what he shared was awesome um i just i have a love when i get in a room with uh black people and they talk about how therapy is impacting just who they are and how they show up in the world yeah i I was excited for this one for that main reason, um, because I don't know if I've ever been or I've had a conversation with two other black men when we could talk about therapy openly and like our experiences. So this was freeing for me as much as, as just hearing his story and our story, sharing, sharing our stories, honestly, yeah. has been freeing. And I hope people who listen to this will, will truly feel that. So this was another good one. Oh, for sure. Well, you guys know what time it is. It is the time of all times. It is called the friendship quiz. This is where you find out how close Tony and I are. You know what? This is where you find. This is where we get to grow together. Now, Tony, this question I have for you. It's not really like a a question and like, what is the what is this mystic, mysterical, mysterical mystery answer? That's the word I'm going to use. What? about our friendship is important to you. Ooh. I, okay, I like this. Um, Push it up on him. I, I think the way that we can just be honest and raw with each other, I know that there's so much love uh, in that. I love that. Hey. That's a good question. Yeah. They weren't <laughs> expecting that. No, not at all. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I I like that. I like that our relationship has always been like that. Where, yeah, like you said, it's always been love. Like we can kind of come down hard on each other, and it truly is. It's like you can say it because I know it's coming from love. Yeah, you know, right. and. If anybody else said it, it might be a fight. But because you said it, <laughs> right. I know where it's coming from. It's 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 definitely on love there. Yeah. So. Thanks. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate and we appreciate you, all of our listeners. Until next time, y'all be authentic in everything that you do. Peace out. Peace. Mm-hmm.